Today we're going to talk about Gen Z and some research that was done by Springtide Research Institute about how we as student ministers can best minister to Gen Z right now. Are you ready? Because it's time. You're listening to the Church Digital Sidekick Podcast, part of the TCD Podcast Network. Hey heroes, my name is Tom Pounder and this is the Church Digital Sidekick Podcast. This is a podcast where I bring on ministry leaders and we talk about how you can do ministry more effectively in this very digital and online world. And today I've got a new guest and someone I'm really excited about. Actually, he might actually be the first doctor I've ever interviewed on, on the podcast, but his name is Dr. Josh Packard. And he, again, he works for the Springtide Research Institute. And they focus primarily on Generation Z. And all the time they're doing research, they're interviewing tons of people in Generation Z, and they just came out with some new statistics about uh, how Gen Z has responded to faith and faith leaders over the pandemic, over the past two years. And so I brought on Dr. Josh Packer to come on and share with me about what their research showed and how churches can respond. What can we do as church leaders to help minister better to Gen Z, because let's just be honest, there are a few stats on here that I was just mind, like my mind was blown away. So I'm really excited to have Josh on. But before we get into the interview, I do want to highlight the Church Digital. At the Church Digital, we've got tons of different blogs, podcasts, and coaching and cohorts as well that can encourage you in your online ministry. And so if you've never checked out the church.digital, go there now. And again, we've got weekly blogs, podcasts, and tons of cohorts and coaching that are happening right now that encourage you in digital ministry, digital ministry, and metaverse ministry. So check out, again, the church.digital. All right. So without any further ado, let's get into the conversation with Dr. Josh Packard right now. All right, with me right now is Dr. Josh Packard, and uh, we got connected, uh, and well, actually, well, Josh, why don't you just share with everyone real quick who you are, and then we can talk about uh, your your research. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm the executive director of Springtide, as you, as you mentioned, and Springtide is a, a relatively new research institute. We're just going into third year. Our job is really to pay attention to and understand how 13 to 25 year olds make meaning, engage with religion, understand God, who's with them in those conversations when they have them or not with them. <laughs> um, you know, what do they need? As we say at Springtide, it's, uh, we want to help those who care about young people to care better. And, and maybe the most important thing to know aside from that about the way we do our research is, is that we, we, um, all of our research is nationally representative. Uh, I was a professor for a long time. I care a lot about data, but also we inform um, all of our research with the voices of young people throughout. So we've got an advisory board of young people, interns, writers and residents, uh, fellows that are all in that Gen Z age group. And, and we you know, are constantly trying to pay attention to them so that we can do stuff that's not just interesting, but actually useful. Yeah. Well, I, I'm excited about this because again, my podcast focuses on young people and it also focuses on digital. And you guys just did a, a, a recent research about two years after the pandemic and you focus on Gen Z. So what was your research about that you focused on? So we've actually um, done this now three times, right? In the opening weeks of the pandemic in March of 2020, we sent out a survey just immediately like, oh, let's try and capture something. And, and then we came back a year later and thought this will be the end of it. Now we'll have year one and two to compare. And then it was like, oh, this year is like, we had to go back <laughs> because we're still doing this. Yeah. Um, 
and and we were mostly just interested in some very basic questions of like how how are young people's faith and religious and spiritual lives being impacted by this uh, pandemic. Um, we obviously, at, over the course of now 30,000 surveys in the last three years, uh, we've asked a lot of questions about their, you know, their mental health and all kinds of other things. Um, and the results have been pretty astonishing, actually. I've, you know, we found, we've learned a lot about Gen Z in the pandemic uh, just in the last few years. Yeah, well, uh, again, uh, the, the, the head of media and public relationships, public relations with Springdale actually reached out to me. And what really caught my eye were these findings that you came about. You, you shared with me five different findings. And I want to focus on a few of these that I thought were really interesting. And I think it's something that family ministry, student ministry, and children's ministry people are really still grappling with right now. So what I want to do is I'm going to just highlight a few of your findings. Uh, and then uh, I want to talk about, hey, dig a little bit deeper into this. Sure. And then maybe again, what, what would you recommend for uh, family ministry, student ministry, children's ministry people to do based on this information? So, right. okay. So let's and then the last part is that they'll do whatever I say. Is that yes, how it's exactly right? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, Wonderful. you're good. Everybody do whatever Josh <laughs> says. So, okay. So this was an interesting thing. These were two different stats that you showed, but um, that you said, um, or you guys found, this is, a, this is what you found from your surveys is that more young people told you all that their faith became stronger during the pandemic than weaker. It was a 30% to 18% uh, fact, which I think was great that they, they got grower. But here was the thing that really stood out to me though, that um, a quarter of the young people, 26% said that their relationship with faith leaders actually became weaker during the pandemic. I just find that fascinating. They grew, they grew in their faith, yeah. Yet their relationship with faith leaders became less. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I think there's something to the old saying, you know, there's no atheist in a foxhole. And in the last two years of being in a pandemic, is, it's a little bit like a foxhole. Um, you know, at, at a time when you're trying to make sense of the world, one thing that religion offers you in, in all of its very, you know, various expressions is a, at least the implicit promise that the world is able to be made sense of, <laughs> you know, like that it's possible even. Yeah. Um, and so we saw young people turning to, to faith uh, to try and do that. Now, look, we, we asked this other question too. We asked them, how many of you, like who reached out to you personally to check on you during a pandemic? And only 10% of young people said that a faith leader had reached out to them. This was astonishingly, wow. yes, like way lower than we thought. And I, it's like, Tom, I've given dozens and dozens of talks to lots of, you know, campus ministers, youth ministers, and pastors. And we're not dealing with a deficit of care. I don't think you can read that number and, and come away with, or should read that number and come away with the conclusion that like pastors don't care enough. Mm -hmm. We just don't have systems that do reach out relationship-based ministry very well. And so when the pandemic forced us into that as our primary or only available option in many cases, there were a lot of places that just didn't know how to do it. When they couldn't gather young people on site at their building or at their campus ministry or at a coffee shop, they, they really just didn't know how to do anything. Wow. Um, and, and young people suffered for that. I think that's why you see that relationship number. And, and that actually, I'm glad you picked up on it because it's really concerning. It's what we know from the social sciences. And this is where spring tide, when, when we make recommendations, we're trying to leverage psychology, sociology, you know, communication studies, child development stuff so that you all can bring your, your best theology to that framework. Yes. Right. Yeah. And what we know is that people can, people can sustain an activity for a while by themselves, but 
people can't sustain, you know, really complex things alone for very long. And institutions and the leaders in those institutions are vital for making sure that, that happens. And this is, I think, where we're at with religion and young people. So while I'm heartened, as you are, that lots of young people's faith got stronger, I'm concerned, though, for the future that we've eroded many of the structures that will help them carry that into the future if we don't, if we don't respond in some pretty big ways. So, so how do you think, this is fascinating because again, I, I grew up, I started doing youth ministry back in 1997 um, as a staffer. And uh, I, I was taught very much that we, we have to do relational ministry. We have to go where kids are, hang mm -hmm. with them, be them. However, what happened over time is that we became more programmatic centered ministry. Yeah. And, and again, when you can't gather because of a pandemic, mm -hmm. the programs go away. So uh, again, now we're getting back, uh, the pandemic is still here, yeah. but the reality is I feel like the, um, uh, now that we can be back in person, we're going back to programs and we're, we're, we're not focusing much. We're telling kids, hey, come to us again, come to us again, come to us. What would you suggest for uh, churches to do? How, how could they respond better now is it more teaching better in college when they're they're going through bible school or something or how what would you recommend well it's it's going to be really hard to move away from those programs and here's why there's been a lack of imagination about how to an innovation about how to do relational ministry especially at scale and and we need more of that um and it's not like the programs aren't working what's if you talk to youth ministers i says you know mostly what i hear is that it's not that nobody shows up to my program. It's not that we get zero engagement. It's that my staff has shrunk from five to three to two, that my budget has gotten cut in half because there's not as many people coming. I have to work twice as hard to get half as many people to show up. And it, when you put those two things together, like I can't imagine an alternative that's very successful. And also this isn't completely broken. It means that I just keep doing the thing that I at least know how to execute, even if I'm doing it with less results. And so we, we have to sort of get past that. What, what we see in all of our data, 30,000 surveys, 350 in-depth interviews with young people, there's nothing that we that, that is going to reverse this trend in the, in the short term or even in the you know down the line towards the institutional disengagement. Mm -hmm. Trust for institutions is really low. But trust for individuals is really high when individuals show up uh, in, in really important ways in young people's lives, when, you know, when they're transparent, when they listen to them, you know, when they accompany them for a long period of time. It's not transactional. You know, we wrote about all this in the state of religion and young people a couple of years ago about how to do relationships well in ways that impact young people. And those trust levels are just like into the 90th percentile when we, when we can do that. Where they rate churches, they, you know, young people on a scale of one to 10, they rate uh, religious institutions at somewhere around a, like a 4.7 on the trust level, <laughs> like not high, right? Um, they don't rank anything high, by the way, and neither do their parents. Um, so it's not surprising. But I think, I think it calls for us really to, to, to lean into those and to get really innovative, really track every engagement with every kid. Where are we trying to move them? What's going on in this conversation? We're not just hanging out with kids. We're hanging out with purpose. You know, what are we learning about them? How are we following through? And on and on. We've got to get you know, really sophisticated about it. Well, and I would imagine that if you again, you're talking to different church leaders and whatnot, I bet you church leaders are tired too. I mean, exactly. again, like, like you said, their, their staff has gone from five to three to one. Yeah. 
And with every staff that leaves, um, there's more responsibility that goes on the people that remained. But yeah. I love your your thought of listen, relationships work. I mean, the, the, the kids are not interested in institutions; they're they're weary of it. I, I mean, listen, I've got children of my own, and I I see that. I see that mm-hmm. with them and their friends. But it's the relationships that matter. But I also know that too, like they've probably seen a lot of turnover lately too with those relational leaders that they do trust, those youth leaders who ended up quitting because it couldn't and they, you know, the great resignation happened. So Mm -hmm. is there anything else that churches can do to maybe recruit differently or to uh, approach this differently so they can be more relational? Yeah, I I think uh, because of this lack of innovation that I mentioned, we've often defaulted into the only way to do relational ministry is that you, Tom, hold the entirety of a relationship with a young person with you, Tom, in your head, right? Like, and that's it. And so if you leave, that relationship is broken and we have to get out of that, right? Like we, we have to start um, capturing and systematizing those relationships in ways that it can extend and live beyond you. And young people actually really respect that. Uh, when I was a professor, I used to take notes when we do advising time. Um, and then I would pull the notes out. I would ask my students, they were 19, 20 years old. I'd be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just as a way to start that conversation. And I would, I would write it down and I would follow up and I would ask them, and I thought it was going to be, it, it was really just a safety mechanism for me because I couldn't keep track of that many students, yeah. you know, in my head, along with all, you know, I'd see them twice a semester in my office, but that was it. And then, you know, had a million other things to do. Uh, and what I found was like, I, at first I would try and like hide it that I was taking notes. Or I'd try and do it real quick right after, because I, I, I thought they would see it as artificial. Right. And, and it, actually what I found out later is that they saw, they saw me as taking so much time and care to track those things. And when sometimes they would transfer to another advisor because that, you know, another professor, they would, you know, transfer majors or another professor would have more in line with their interests. And so I would send all those notes over. And what I realized, what the students would come back and say to me is like, I can't believe that you took all those notes about me. And it's so like, you cared enough to then follow through with that. So when we think about doing relationships that way, yes, there's going to be turnover. I mean, youth ministry jobs, look, they're often entry level, let's be real, and they don't pay that much typically. And, and there's often not a lot of advancement. So yeah, there's going to be turnover. Any job structure that way is going to have it. But we can't let relationships with young people be the sort of casualty of that kind of job. And so we've got to, you know, when I say we have to track these things, I mean, literally, we should be tracking these things so that it doesn't just walk away when Tom walks out the door, that other people can step in or that we can mobilize volunteers. You know, think about this. If you're a volunteer, somebody said this to me the other day, said, I bet you would rather show up if I told you, hey, so-and-so's got a school concert uh, next Thursday. They're really worried about their solo. Can you go and offer encouragement? Like, I'm there for that all day, right? As opposed to the normal volunteer thing, which is like, can you shepherd this young person forever? Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? But we can't do that if we're not like, if we're not just like really, really keeping track of their lives. Yeah, I, I think that's right on. Um, you're, you're definitely speaking my language. I remember this was a positive and a negative all at the same time. But I remember at a young age, uh, when I was first starting out in middle school ministry, um, there was a, uh, a girl who I said, hey, Tiff- her name was Tiffany. And I was like, hey, Tiffany, how are you? And she's like, wait, you remember my name? Yeah, it's huge. And I'm like, yeah, who who can't remember Tiffany? And then I I got her last name wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but the reality was I remember her first name and she was just so impressed that I remembered it. I should have just left it at that. But the simple fact is that these kids do pay attention to that kind of stuff. They do. And, and they are, they want to see 
that you care and that you show up. Um, and I, what I like to tell uh, the leaders that were working together with me is that consistency matters. You don't have to be yeah. at everything, but the more consistent you are, the more that they're going to say, I can trust this person and I can share my life with them. And then again, you can speak biblical truth. The, uh, the reality is that you're going to have a bigger impact in those relational times than you ever would in a programmatic time. Yeah. And so that's why what we've tried to encourage is really smaller groups. We do home groups now because of the pandemic. Uh, we've kind of decentralized our student ministry so that it's not just one centered thing so that if another pandemic happens that shuts everything down, we're not going to be completely incapable of doing ministry. So, yeah, it's there's a really interesting thing that happens, you know, cognitively about the ways that we close gaps in information. And, and when we, you know, when we don't understand something and there's a gap between, you know, what we know and, and what we're seeing actually play out in the world, we don't know how to get from here to there. We, we tend to fill in that gap by using the most approximate thing that we've ever experienced. You know, so if you're driving around St. Louis, uh, and you're from, say, Dallas, you're going to use your experience of driving around Dallas to help you try and drive around St. Louis. And usually this stuff works pretty well. What happens in these weird places where, like, you're a youth minister, and because you are so on fire, uh, you know, in a Christian context for God and the gospel and all these things, and so you then use your context of, like, I remember what it was like when I was a youth to try and understand and engage with today's young people, but we forget that the very fact that you went to become a youth minister means that you're a weirdo. Right. And the whole like in the whole realm of like young people, your experience and how like how hungry you were for learning about God is just not representative. If it were, you know, if you were normal, you wouldn't have become a youth minister. You would have done something else. It's the same in my I, I'm a sociologist and it's hard to get graduate students that you're training to understand that like no undergraduate cares as much about sociology as you cared about sociology. That's why you're here in graduate school, right? And so when when we what we largely what we've done in youth ministry is we've taken this like knowledge transfer approach this idea that like knowledge about god and the gospel and the bible and jesus is in short supply i have it i'm going to give it to you but what we found at springtime is that when you start asking and digging in with young people generally they'll tell you like i, I either know or have access to everything i want to know about god mm -hmm. um now, the, you know, and they will say, even I know everything I need to know about God. They're not, they're not right, probably. Like, they probably do need to know more about but they feel that way. But when you ask them about experiences of the divine, when you're like, what about grace and forgiveness? Like, where you felt awe and wonder? These things are incredibly in short supply. And so fostering more of those kinds of experiences where they get to, like, you know, they actually get to be in touch with what it means to be loved unconditionally. And all of that for them happens through relationships. I, more like that's never going to happen programmatically for gen z yeah um we could go really f far down the rabbit hole on this about online um mm -hmm. on, on, online relationships because again these these kids center most of their lives on their smartphones and 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 online stuff um we won't do that i might have to bring you back just to talk about online relationships and and how that developed but you did have actually another point in in your research finding uh, and I think this is something a lot of student ministers experience, uh, but just the, the the percentage really just shocked me and wowed me. And I was and I want to talk to you a little bit about this. But one of your other findings was that virtual religious gatherings are what young people least want to keep after pan pan pandemic. Six percent said this. 
So talk yeah. to me a little bit about that, because again, when we first started the pandemic, we were forced to do online only. Everything shut yeah. down. You couldn't meet in person. And that's what happened to do. But what I experienced was that the more we did it, the less kids came. Yep. Um, and this in particularly within the high school age, uh, we were able to keep some of the middle school kids around a little bit longer. But talk to me about that and what, again, what churches can, can do with that. Well, I, the, the one caveat I'll make before we even start here is that there's a difference between doing online and doing online well. And I, I do think we can see a lot of success in places that are doing online well. However, I'm not sure that we've really fully cracked that code yet. So I think most of what young people are responding to here is like, you know, do you want to carry forward the online experiences you've had so far, most of which have not been very good or very smart or, you know, in, you know, very nuanced or sophisticated, it, you know, it's, it's no blame. I mean, everybody's scrambling to try and, you know, just to get something. Going. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like not only is it the thing that they least want to carry forward because there were a whole bunch of stuff that came out of the pandemic that they do want to carry forward. online just wasn't online worship. Just wasn't one of them. We also asked a host of questions about whether they ever think that a fully online religious experience could meet their needs. And, and a, like, a surprising amount of them say no, like over 60% say no, 70% or something crazy. Wow. Um, they, it is, you know, there, there is room for online. I don't think that there's a, there's a, an analog, a fully analog world that's going to exist for religious expression for young folks. It, the, we have to be thinking about creative ways to, to engage digitally, but um, we shouldn't get carried away by thinking about just because they're on social, like all the time uh, they're on they're, you know, they're on their phones all the time that they either a that that's their preferred state of being because it is not um it's often just what they perceive as the only option for engagement or or b that it can that they can do spiritual and religious things there because right now they're finding that it it can it can scratch some of that itch but but they are not convinced that it can be the whole thing that's really interesting because I, i'm glad you pointed that out because Again, I look at this and say, wow, these kids will spend hours watching a guy play video games online, <laughs> yeah. uh, and yet they can't sit for 30 minutes and talk, have a Bible study together or something like that. Yeah. But again, I like what you just said. I just don't think we've cracked the code of how to do it well. Right. And again, the way that we have tried it, well, this was our, for many of us, this was our first go at right. virtual and so version 1.0 can look a lot different than version 5.0 down the road. Get better. Yeah, well, that's right. Or that number's yeah. going to get from go from six to even less. Than well, that. and you know what's weird is that they 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 don't they won't spend hours watching a person play video games because if you watch a young person doing that thing, my, I have a 12 year old. He does this. He, he will sit on YouTube. You know, sit there and watch somebody play Minecraft. It's the most mind boggling thing to me ever. But he's not just doing that. He's also playing Minecraft while he's watching that. He's he's like participating and consuming, and it's all being done in community because he's on Discord with three other friends who are doing the exact same thing or versions of it. And you know, it's there's a lot more going on there than just making a choice to do this instead of a Bible study. And and when you think like, well, what's the what's the most uh, what is the thing that is most like? what I just described my son doing in the religious world. Like, I can't think of anything that's like that. Like, live, I guess like live streaming a sermon while you're making food with your friends and like having, I don't even know, you know, like it's, yeah. I can't even get there. I, I wonder if that's one of the values of a, of a platform like Twitch, because a lot of Twitch, yeah. even though a lot of people recognize it as a gaming platform, there's a lot of people on there just chatting and just doing stuff, you know? That is mostly what my son is doing on Discord. The, watching somebody do a, a run through a, a minecraft uh, level is 
is the ostensible reason for getting together, but what is actually happening is the, you know, and when he's like screwed up or done something he shouldn't do and we take his video games away, he still wants to be on Discord, like with his friends chatting and talking. Okay, say, say that again that the minecraft is the reason for them to get together but that's yeah, like what gives them they're like oh we're gonna get together and watch this uh you know but but really the thing that they deeply care it's you know is is the community and the relationships in that case it's peers but i'll tell you it's not always like it's our friends we we're lucky enough to have friends who have invested in our kids life and and it's the same like he'll dig into those conversations too okay you just had an aha moment for me and i i think that's awesome because i've been thinking for my ministry because i do online ministry and student ministry is like mm-hmm. what what is it how can i utilize twitch how can i utilize discord and i i'm i'm a 47 year old guy i mean yeah. so it's like i don't quite get this i get it but i don't get it but you just gave me an aha moment and i'm completely fascinated now as i'm trying to figure out what can we do because again it's it's the one thing that gets them together but they want the community and the chatting back and forth I think that's really powerful. It's really can I get let me tell let me give you one really cool example I heard of people during the pandemic. So obviously mission trips canceled, right? Like, but but the doing of the mission trip is only part of of the value there. It's also that you're instilling the value of service and you're communicating in in this case a Christian value of like we we need to be loving other people and serving them. And so I heard of a ministry that was playing, they, they, their, their ministers, instead of going on a mission trip, they were already playing video games often with their kids, headsets, you know, chatting the whole time or playing Fortnite. And what they would do is they would organize these missions to help somebody with, you know, really low scores in Fortnite win and get all these resources. And that was their like mission. That was the way they would instill the value of service. Like they would just find this person who was playing alone and then they would get what you can't really win. It's hard to win Fortnite if you're playing alone. And so they would just get together and, you know, give everything to that random stranger and as just a, a random act of kindness. And, you know, is it changing the world? No, it's not. It's not digging a well in Africa. Like, let's be clear. Yeah. Um, but you're still getting across that same point and you're doing it together and you're doing it with a trusted adult. And, you know, yeah. on and on. I, again, that's what I love about online is it provides us with opportunities. But we have to figure out is. How can you utilize that best where, yeah. again, like Gen Z is going to do it? It's so funny. We spent so long on, on millennials, and now we're focused all on Gen Z. And I yeah. mean, it, it's come up quick. And yeah, it's, it is right here. Um, and and it's, at Springtide, we'll always research those 13 to 25-year-olds. And, you know, right now that is Gen Z. As they age, though, we'll stay here because, you know, after this, there's another one coming. There is. There is definitely another one coming. Well, Josh, this has been awesome. I could talk to you for hours on this, and which means I have to kind of bring you back for another podcast. Happy to do um, it. And we can talk about this. But again, just to reiterate, you're with Springtide Research Institute. Uh, where, how can people can connect with you? If they got questions, they want to follow up with you, what, what would you say? Yeah, we'd love to hear from people. We're at springtideresearch.org. Um, we have our entire mental health uh, series that's going on right now. You can see it really easily from our um, from our shop page or from the menu or wherever you're, you know wherever you're clicking in you can see all of our research there a lot of it's free we try and raise as much money as we can to make those things as free as possible uh, but if, if you were interested in connecting with me directly i'm on twitter dr josh packard dr josh packard on twitter wait please please tell me twitter is your favorite social platform oh yeah because i'm 44 years old so yes <laughs> i'm i'm right in the demographic <laughs> I, I love it twitter's my favorite i i mean i've made so many so i'm going to start following you today so that's great um fantastic um, but uh, yeah, this is this has been awesome, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the mental health because that was some other research that you found, and I think we really need to talk about that a little bit more too with with Gen Z. 
it'll be the focus of our every fall we do the state of religion and young people and this year's focus the state of religion and young people will be all about mental health and, and what religious leaders need to know oh great then we're, we're definitely talking about that then so that that'll be great to unpack that with you well josh it was great having you meeting you and having you on the podcast so i look forward to more conversations so thanks for yeah wonderful me. thanks so much okay so what did you think Again, I just highlighted basically three stats in the interview, but I would really encourage you to go to their website, get more research, and get their findings and see how you can grow as a student ministry or actually as a church as you try to reach Generation Z. Generation Z is open to spiritual conversations. It's how are we doing that? How are we best ministering to them? And seeing the research that something like, someone like Springtide Research Institute does and what Josh does is so important. It's valuable for us as we get to know this new generation and minister to them successfully. So I would love to encourage you to check them out, but also share what stood out to you and how you are adapting to Generation Z. Definitely put it in the comment section below, or you can email me uh, or hit me up on Twitter. At TA Pounder is my Twitter handle. I would love to connect with you there and continue this conversation uh, today. All right, heroes, well, thanks so much for being with me today. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, go and subscribe to it. This is on YouTube. This is on the church.digital. This is on uh, iTunes and Spotify. So definitely go there and subscribe to it. We've got podcasts coming out all the time. And also go to the church.digital. There, I got a ton of content about how you can do online ministry more effectively. All right, heroes, well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Until next time, have a great one.